made too many compromises already. Too many retreats. They invade our space, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. Not again! The line must be drawn here! This far, no further! And I will make them pay for what they've done! Good evening, and welcome to The Loaded Dice, the podcast that always rolls boxcars. I'm Andrew. And I'm Doug. Andrew, how are you this evening? I am so much better after that uh, that introduction from you there, Doug. That was amazing. I am tingling all over, mate. Oh, good. Excellent. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> oh, no, that was, that, that, that was awesome. That was, that was very, very good. Uh, how are you? Yeah, good. Good. Um, not going to lie, I may have real quickly scanned through to that section of First Contact and read it. Uh, sorry, and watched it before we um, before we started, <laughs> just for inspiration. But yes, it's good to get back into, um, you know, get familiar with JLP again, especially with what we're going to be talking about beyond the rift. Um, but yeah, no, otherwise good. Uh, we're recording much earlier in the week than normal to give you a peek behind the curtain. Um, so I think we're both probably a little more awake than normal. Yeah, nice. no, I, without a doubt, it's a lovely Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, no, look, it's, it's, it's really good to be back. I, I guess we had like quite a long holiday here. Uh, we were going to record an episode in January and we sort of got all excited. And then I sort of realized as we were getting excited about recording in January that I actually had a lot more, uh, hobby to do for, uh, active heresy a couple of weekends ends ago. So, mm-hmm. uh, the episode got put to one side so I could get a whole bunch of death guard dudes painted. So, uh, we will get to your uh, your listener questions. Uh, we do have them. We're going to add some, uh, hopefully, add some more to them. And on the next episode, do a, a big chunk of the episode just on your listener questions. So they're not going to be on tonight. And we do apologize for missing the uh, the last scheduled record. But you've, um, you've you've had about a month without us now. A little bit over a month without us. Uh, so we're back to assault your ear holes. Uh, much more for uh, twenty twenty. Yes. Big year. Sounds about Big right. Hopefully, uh, hopefully better than the one that uh, we left behind, 2019. Uh, yeah. Less on fire would be nice. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Less um, less sneezy and uh, less on fire. But that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, we'll so uh, tonight's episode is going to be probably a bit shorter than what we usually do. Uh, we just wanted to get back into it. And there are a couple of things we wanted to have a bit of a chat about so this is episode 80 uh earl gray and heresy mm-hmm. um so we're gonna have a, a good chat about uh our new favorite tv show in beyond the rift uh the witcher, right <laughs> i still haven't even started the witcher so oh, I, I doubt it come on man i, mean, I can just go explain to your witcher <laughs> i mean i can just go on about uh henry cavill with white hair um you know, that, that could take up three hours, but we said we were doing a shorter show. Yes. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. We've got uh, Signals for the Front, where we're going to be chatting about uh, a few new hobby things uh, that have sort of popped up. Mm. Uh, and then we've got a, a split main segment today. So uh, the main segment is going to be pretty much about Heresy. Uh, we're going to do a wrap-up from Act of Heresy 5 that we went down to uh, Canberra for a couple of weekends ago over Australia Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about um, our upcoming event series for 2020 because uh, we're back into um, all things uh, 30K Titanicus and Aeronautica uh, starting at the end of February, which is really cool. Um, 
And then we're going to uh, close the show out with a quick hobby hack. Excellent. Sounds good. So, yeah. Actually, there is Belly. one thing I want to... There is one more thing I want to add to banter because I can't work out where else I'm supposed to actually add it in here. Mm-hmm. Quick 10 seconds. Yes, go for it. What is the thing you are most looking forward to in the hobby in 2020? Go. Ooh, I think that I'm most looking forward to in the hobby for 2020. Um... I'm unprepared for this question, clearly. Uh, let's say what I'm looking forward to is... I'm just looking forward to playing games mostly, hey. I, I feel like the start of this year, I've very much pivoted towards the specialist games, uh, yep. which has been great. So I'm keen to do some more of that. But also once you know the greater good comes out and Gene Steeler Cult are competitive again, I'm keen to... Maybe get away to something like <laughs> Battle in the Bush and and run the Steeler Cult again. Yeah, nice. So, so there's actually a period in time at the moment where Steeler Cult aren't competitive. Is that what Look, I'm hearing? If you're not in Black Power Armor with bionic arms, you're pretty much <laughs> out of the running at the moment. Um, maybe well, blue, you know that... blue Power Armor also good. Although, actually, yes. to be honest, any color you want, as long as you say your Iron Hands and yeah, it's whatever. Um, <sighs> Well, hang on. Well, didn't um, so obviously L LVO was the other weekend. So you know it was won by Space Marines playing against yes. the Space Marines. But I'm pretty sure the the list that Richard Ziegler beat was a, a Raptors list, wasn't it? Yeah, because the Raptors list was an Iron Hands. Sorry, was an Iron Hands successes with was an Iron Hands successes and whatever stealthy tricks. Alright, so just getting out there and playing some games. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Yeah, so I'm actually probably looking forward to running events uh, in 2020. That's probably going to be the, the big thing for me. So it's kind of like playing games. So I hope to get some games in. Um, but we didn't run anything in 2019 for a whole lot of different reasons. And... You know, it was a little bit, you know, a little bit depressing not running anything, actually. It was, you know, it's always exciting running events and putting on a good day for everybody. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to in hobby in 2020. Fair. Nice. Yeah. Um, any highlights from 2019? Honestly, no. I've kind of tried to block 2019 hobby out. Um yeah. And considering the uh, the eleven days running up to the Friday before Actor Heresy, I did more hobby in those eleven days than I did in the three hundred and sixty five days of twenty nineteen. So it sort of gives you a bit of an example of uh, of what I got done last year. So no, no, no. Let's leave that in the past. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of things from the past then shall we move to beyond the rift yeah let's do this i feel like we need like a somehow we do a star fade on a podcast <laughs> it's all right if um if the podcast i've been listening to recently or anything we just need like real like open klingon eyes to the next scene like garon <laughs> eyes to next next segment Fuck, i love garon so good. Um, so, of course, we're here to talk about Gowron, the new series from Amazon Prime. 
Uh, uh, no, no, no. What was it? Was it at Garrick? Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? <laughs> Jellico? Um, the Star Trek story? No. Um, <laughs> no, of course. We're here to talk about Pickard. Captain Pickard um, of the Starship Entrepreneur. Yes? I'd watch that, actually. Yeah. Seems yeah, fair. No, I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> um yes picard picard is out uh andrew have you watched the two episodes that have dropped so far i have i have i'm through both episodes um excellent and i have the feeling that this might be slightly spoilerific so if you haven't watched the first two episodes of picard maybe jump ahead a little bit Mm, for sure um If you're one of those really like tight ship podcasts that was all slick and professional, I might even put in the show notes what um what 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 like time you need to jump to to miss all the spoilers. Except our um our podcast host is so utterly utterly shit that we only get about a hundred and ten characters for um for show notes. So yeah, yep, I was going to say you so know this... our host doesn't let us put in show notes that detailed. <laughs> Uh, actually, I do need to. I, I do need to work out when that um that reups through my uh, automatic PayPal payment, so I can cancel it this year and transfer us to a new host. Sounds like a good idea. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but but, but Picard. Uh, initial thoughts. I'm real keen. Hey, um, I. How did you feel about Discovery? Just out of interest. I, I overall I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. because it was just you know another star trek it was just like voyager again or enterprise again if you get what i mean like it was just yeah. the star trek formula just different yep. people doing the stuff um i think my biggest beef with discovery was probably the huge amount of cgi they used but i mean all Star Treks have always done that, so it's not really a beef. No, I, I, I enjoyed it. I just had a hard time. Like, it took me, like, a good three episodes to really get into it. Yeah, fair. I, I feel like, yeah, um, as you say, Discovery is, is very much sort of more of the same, right? Adventures in space uh, hmm. with a crew of people who you sort of get to know over time. and um, Yeah, it's the formulaic you know, Star yeah. Trek, like, you know, 10-year mission and all that yep. sort of jazz and i mean like this there was some really cool stuff in it and i and i mean i think there's a second season out i only i've only watched to the end of the first season yeah you're not missing an awful lot for season two except yeah. maybe the start the origin of the borg if you listen to the fan theories um oh okay that's, that's not that quick clear cut <laughs> uh honestly i enjoyed season one much more than season two uh, mostly because Lorca is such a good character. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, he he was he was probably the what carried the show. I think. Yeah, him and Saru were sort of my lifelines through that whole thing. Mm. Saru, but great. I mean, but I mean, like you know, like it's probably the same. And I mean, I like I used to watch Voyager when it came, like, mm. you know, from day one when it came out, and was on. I want to say it was like Channel Ten or something like that on a Saturday night or a Sunday night. And I mean, like. I doubt I could go back and watch Voyager these days without having the same reaction. Yeah, I tried. I tried. I really did. I promise. <laughs> You've really got to start at like season four once they figure out what Voyager is. 
yeah, those yeah, first few yeah. seasons are just absolute horseshit. Because um, um, we went through a phase, because they're all on Netflix, of course, where we watched all of oh, are they? Next Gen. They are. Um, we watched all of Next Gen. and Well, sorry, I watched all of Next Gen. Jeanette stuck with me until about season five and then stopped. Um, and then we watched all of DS9. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but then I tried to start Voyager, and I just, I, I'm sorry. I tried. I couldn't. Um, apologies if Voyager is your favorite. Uh, but it's just, no, anyway. <clears throat> it's all right. It's fine. We're not here to talk about Voyager. Uh, that's a whole different thing. Uh, but I guess the point there is that Discovery is very much that sort of same program with different characters and, and different situations and stuff, but still that sort of feels like it's run for TV, whereas Picard is very much down that The Witcher slash um, Mandalorian sort of end of the spectrum, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's 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 definitely character-driven as opposed to formulaic sort of stuff, and the character mm. comes after. And, I mean, like, we all know Jean-Luc Picard. We're sort of acquainted with him, you know. I mean, even if you haven't watched all of Next Gen, you, you know who he is if you're watching Star Trek. Um, yes, and I couldn't imagine sure. Picard would be a place where you'd kick off watching Star Trek either. Um, no. Yeah. So, so but no, look, it's I, I'm I'm super pumped for it. Like Patrick Stewart's amazing, um, mm-hmm. and I think you know considering the way that he really left Star Trek and was kind of done with Star Trek and everything else. Yeah. Um, it's obviously. And I mean, like we've watched two episodes, and I'm I, I'm already hooked. I want to see all the rest of it, like right now. Um, <laughs> but I'm sort of like, for him to come back to it, and it doesn't feel like it, it is exactly where he's left off, because obviously yeah. there is there is a time gap there, and we're slowly starting to understand what went on in that time gap. Um, but I think it's quite. Yeah, like, like I could get the feeling that he's into it. Like, he's not going through the motions. You know, when things get rebooted sometimes and they use old actors and it's like, I'm here for a paycheck and and, and the paycheck's great, but, you know, like, I don't want to talk to fans. I'm just going to, you know. But, I mean, he seems to be really properly into it with the same sort of passion and enthusiasm that he brought to, like, a lot of the later parts of Next Gen. Um, yeah, for sure. So no, I'm I'm super super interested, and obviously you know, and this we said at the beginning, but you know, a few spoilers, but I love when Star Trek gets back to basics. I mean, yeah. I loved when um, what's his name? Uh, the Abrams movies was like, hey, Klingons, um, and so and stuff like that, and this one seems to be like have some Romulans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's some Romulans doing Romulan-ish things. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly right. And it's just like because that stuff was that was just cool. Like that was yeah. that was Star Trek. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you know, putting it next to like say Discovery or Enterprise or whatever it is. Like I like all that stuff. And there's you know little bits and pieces in there. But it's like fuck yes, Romulans, Borg, mm. awesome. This is what I want to see. This is what I want to like sink my teeth into. Um, so no, super, super excited to see where it goes. Do you actually, do you know what day the episodes come out? I haven't quite worked that one Fridays. out yet. Ah, Fridays here in Australia, Thursdays in the US. Oh, um, okay. 
Yeah, so I've been uh, like I'm I'm so pumped to see both Jerry Ryan back as seven of nine, um, and Jonathan Del Arco as third of five or Hugh. Hugh. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which would yeah. be great. Um, cause he looks good, by the way, for a fifty-year-old Del Arco. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, he's pretty. Um, <clears throat> yeah. No, I, so it's been interesting watching, like, particularly that Romulan side of things unfold a little bit. Sort of, because episode one, all you know is there's a bunch of Romulans on a Borg cube. Yeah. Uh, and then you sort of realize that they're trying One's to... In Picard's house. Well, that's it, right? Uh, <laughs> actually, companion piece, by the way, if you do want to get sort of some more in-depth stuff on Picard as it starts, is the... Is it called Countdown? Anyway, the Picard comic books that they're doing. Oh, okay. Uh, so that so the comic books basically are part of the explanation of Picard's attempts to evacuate Romulan territories and the and where he picks up um oh, blank. What are their names? The two Romulans he he lives with. Oh no idea. Romulan one, Romulan two. Yeah. <laughs> one of them starts with a Z, the other one starts with an L. Um, Laris and fuck, no, nah, it's gone. Um... <laughs> no, I'm like the I'm like the worst person to ask like the names of some character that isn't <laughs> the main character in a show. I see. Um, I, I don't I don't know what it is about me, but like when I watch TV shows, I get so I think I get so engrossed in them that somebody then asks me a question about oh like what about this guy and it's like. Who the fuck's that again? Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, like he did it yeah. with, with the Mandalorian. You were like, oh, you know, there's there's Quill or whatever his name is. And I'm like, who the fuck is Quill? Who the fuck is Quill? Get out of my podcast. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, me, me and names and TV shows. It's like, I can tell you who Picard is. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure I know who that data guy is. Um <laughs> Look at you channeling your inner Pulaski, um, calling him Dada. Man, I yeah. love Pulaski, just quietly. The Doctor who was in Star Trek for season two. Um, yeah. Jaban, by the way, Laris and Jaban. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not remembering so stop past, past this segment. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but yes, it talks about, like, you meet them for the first time um, in the Picard comics, so... Worth a read. Uh, I also really recommend as a companion piece uh, The Greatest Discovery, which is a podcast. Um, so they did all of Star Trek Discovery, but they're also doing Star Trek Picard. Oh, uh, okay. So a comedy review podcast. I have. Oh, this... these, are, these are the guys that you were telling me about when I was sitting at McDonald's on the way down to ACT, where they like yeah, each the episode is them like doing an overview of an episode or something. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, nice. So they've done... Uh, Picard episode one, and I think two will come out. Ooh, maybe even today, because the last one was seven days ago. Um, but so they've got two podcasts. One's the Greatest Generation, which is where they're doing all the like the classic tracks. So they started yep. with Next Gen. Now they're doing DS Nine. Uh, I'm up to season six of Great of Next Gen, so I'm slowly catching up. Um, and then Greatest Discovery is all the new stuff. So they did Discovery, and now they're doing Picard. I'm just uh, trying to add them to my uh, my podcast thing here. Mm. Uh, They're a good one. 
greatest discovery you said and this this is this is great podcasting actually yeah it is right live <laughs> start, uh, live podcast subscriptions there you go yep the new one came out three hours ago sexual checkers <laughs> <laughs> actually funnily enough when i was searching for the uh, our intro quote today um and and mind you this was the one that i wanted for the episode but i couldn't remember the first part of the quote I could only remember the, you know, the here and no father. And then something about he's going to like yep. make him pay. Right. And I'm like, crap, I got to do that. So yep. I'm like, easiest way is his greatest Picard quotes into Google. Right. Funnily enough, the yep. quote that beat this one was, no, it was greatest Picard speeches, not quotes. And the one that beat this was the one where he's talking to Wesley and I, I imagine it must be just before Wesley leaves with the Traveler. Is this and he the talks first about duty of every he, Starfleet officer? Is to the uh, truth? No, no, no. It's it's the one. Ah. It's the one where he talks about he found him to be an annoying boy, but then ah, he yes. realized that he knew everything about the ship and all this sort of stuff. And if you co- compare and contrast that to the idea of Picard grooming Wesley that you were telling me about, yeah, a little bit yeah, worrying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yes, that's a an early uh, greatest gen pickup that they run with for a bit and have quietly sort of dropped from their repertoire over a few seasons of next gen. Um, yeah, the idea that Picard saying in episode one that he is not comfortable around children uh, was less about the fact that he doesn't handle kids well and perhaps the fact that he handles them a little too well. Too well. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, Picard, really, really good. I'm keen. I'm excited. Um, I feel like not a whole lot's happened yet, though. Hey, like, the instigating thing has happened. It's almost like the cold open for a Star Trek episode, right? We've had the the instigating event, but none of the action that follows it. Yeah, I'm sort of interested to see what the... Um, like, it's... It was originally supposed to be a single series, wasn't it? But now they're saying that it's going to be more than a single series or something. And I'm wondering yeah. about the way the arc's going to work, like the story arc of it is going to work. Like, is it going to be something where you've got something that runs over multiple series or seasons? Like, I'm I'm, I'm trying to work out how that's going to go together, but we're so such an initial stages of it i really don't know like i'm sort of looking at it and i'm going yeah. like okay well if it's going to be well i don't even know how many episodes it is i was imagine it'd be seven episodes or something wouldn't it something if it's like, like that. A, 10 yeah, maybe if it's, at most ooh, yeah i mean amazon's usually seven or eight episodes it is their yeah. sweet spot i mean it doesn't have to follow that but i'm sort of like so it builds for four you get something five and six and seven and eight cleans it up which yep. works, um, but yeah, no, no, I'm just, I'm just sort of excited for the ride. And I think one thing I sort of worked out quite a few years ago when we started getting uh, a lot of Star Wars, like new Star Wars stuff, new Star Wars content, mm. was there's things if I looked into it, I, I, I would probably not like about it. Like if I really analyzed it, I would find stuff that'd be like, oh fuck this, I don't like it, or yeah, this sure. isn't how I imagine this would happen, and all this. And then it's like. But I'm still getting new content for stuff that I love. So I'm just going to enjoy that it's Star Wars. I'm going to enjoy that it's Star Trek and we're getting more of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, occasionally chat about the stuff that I don't 
oh, it would have been cooler if they had done this, right? But, you know, don't be like, I'm just signing off and I'm not a Star Wars fan anymore and I'm burning my stuff. And yeah, <laughs> I'm like, hey, if I can get some enjoyment out of it and I'm pretty sure I enjoy Star Wars and Star Trek, well, that's what I'm going to do. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's there's plenty of article rounds to help you get ready if you did want to start on Picard. Um, so it's got like the the top five Picard epi- like episodes of Next Gen to watch to understand the character of Picard. And there's some great ones in there, of course. But yeah, it's um, interesting just how much psychological trauma uh, JLP <laughs> goes through, and within the next week he's fine. Yeah, they they because uh, the next gen did not quite work that way. Yeah, no, they 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 did completely and utterly like total him and a lot of the people around him multiple times, and just yeah. oh, that that's cool. We're back. Yep. And actually, it's 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 an inter- it's an interesting one because I know like obviously Roddenberry had such a singular vision for what Star Trek was, and for how he was pitching it. And I mean, you know, the idea that. You know, maybe if it was if he was doing stuff in the last ten or twenty years, there'd be a lot more in it on the um, like the psychological effects of what different people go through. But it's just kind of like everybody is so well adjusted to everything, being in Starfleet and all this sort of stuff that it's just like, eh, whatever. You know? Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> right because one of Roddenberry's big things was no crew conflict. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, he he wanted to have this super harmonious um, sort of idea around the crew. And I mean, like, okay, you know, you have certain things play out where, um, like, I, I'm sort of thinking the best example is maybe the um, the Abrams movies where Spock and Kirk yeah. have a bit of a, but I mean, like, that's not much more than, like, friendly banter. Um, the idea yep. of like, you know, it, oh, like I was, I was so torn up. I was going to lose you and all this sort of stuff. And he's just like, well, you should just fucking lost me and, you know, not upset this planet full of, you know, what yeah. were they bright, Very bright nice. red people or whatever they were that yep. were worshiping all sorts of strange things. So, I mean, mm-hmm. but that, that hardly goes to it. Whereas I think I got the feeling in two episodes of Picard that like the way that he talks about data is just there's so much more emotion there. And I'm wondering what sort of like incredible messed up, like psychological scars they're going to give him. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm keen to see what they do. Um, see, so the tricky part of like I'm encountering now is that I've also, in addition to the Picard comics, gone ahead and read some of the older Star Trek comics as well. Um, ones like the hive, um, which sort of, which is Picard is reassimilated and becomes the cutest again. Uh, <laughs> awesome. And the the flow on consequences of that, which is really cool. Um, but I'm like, hang on, that's at this point, that's potentially an option for Picard. But I don't want to color that too far forward because <laughs> I don't think that's where they're going to go with it, right? Like, surely not. Surely it's not going to be episode four. He's the cutest of Borg again. And it's no longer Picard; it's just Locutus. No, um, I would, I, I, I would hope not. And if you do the, if you do the meta thinking around it, I can't imagine he would have agreed to, like Patrick Stewart would have agreed to come back to just 
do what he'd already done. No, that's true too. There's there's another one that I haven't read that's all about um, like it's, it's almost like a a little bit like the inner light where Picard gets hit by something and it's all, all like internal. Mm. Um, yeah. But he's got to battle his way out yeah, with well, his psyche. Um, and it's this interesting thing where it's sort of split into the old guy from the inner light and mm-hmm. Locutus and Sarek and Picard and the four of them have to work together. Okay. Because um, they're all still sort of lurking in the back of his head. Somewhere. Yeah. He's just locked cool. them down. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I, I, I did have a couple of moments like, the um the bit where they jump and he's like hang on she was right there how can nobody have seen her she was there and then the romulans came and they killed her and you know she was my best friend's daughter and all of this and everybody's like you're the only person that was there. They found nothing else. We're watching this, you know, we're watching the playback on it and there's nothing there. And the first thing that jumped into my fucking head was just Q. This is just fucking Q. This <laughs> oh, entire thing so is just going to be fucking Q. It's just going to be, I, <laughs> it's just, the whole series is just going to end with him in his fucking hat, just laughing. <laughs> Well, that was sort of the entire premise of The Next Generation, right? That it was all Q's trial just ongoing. Mm, that's what I mean. Uh, is it's, just, it's, it's just like you thought you got out and you're not yep. out. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh. It's fine, though, because John Delancey is great. So no, I'll watch it's, him it's, anything. Yeah, Q, Q is probably... I think I actually like Q more than I like Jean-Luc Picard. So I, I probably don't have an issue if it just turns into a Q fest. Um, Did... Um, <laughs> Did you ever play the computer game Star Trek Borg? No, I don't think I ever played any Star Trek computer games. It's a little bit like an interactive movie, but it's basically you're playing a character whose dad dies at Wolf 359 and Q gives you the opportunity to save him. Oh, right. That's sort of what you're playing through. So it's just a lot of John Delancey doing (laughs) Q-ish stuff. It's great. Um, But if Guinan's coming back, that might mean that season two is a Q season. Given that Q and Guinan are sort of aware of each other and reasonably threatened by each other. Yeah, I... That'd be good, because this one can be the mundane Romulans are doing shit, we've got to stop the Romulans from doing shit, like, season. Yeah. And then the next one one can be the high-concept Q stuff. Yeah. That would be fine. Yeah, I I think I'd be completely okay if Q got thrown into this (laughs) mix in any way, shape, or form. It would be quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Q. <laughs> one of the um, one of the greatest Gen hosts hates Q with a passion. Um, not because Q's a bad character, but just because all the episodes he's in are so like off the wall insane. Mm, mm. Well, it's, like, it's it just it doesn't feel like Star Trek. Well, that was that was such an odd part of like, and I want to say 1990s sci-fi, right? Serialized mm. sci-fi, all of them did it. Like it's it's funny. Like I'm a massive X Files fan. Like I, I generally watch rewatch all of X Files every 18 months, um, and they do it in that. You have these episodes that just you're watching it and you're like the f- like what is this? What are they doing? And it's like the comic relief episodes. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where Q falls into it, is it's like, get super campy, have some odd comic relief, but they can also be some of the most, like, it's almost like 
and not to get too wanky, but it's like Shakespearean comedy. Yeah, for sure. It's it's very much that you learn something. Like it's not like um, it's not like the musical ep- episodes that Buffy and Angel did. Mm. That had no that were just like somebody made a joke and then they kind of kept doing it and it was funny the first time and then every time after that everybody skips the episode. Whereas yep. like I think the way that Star Trek did it and um like Stargate did it quite well when it did it quite a when yeah. it did it a few times. And they were actually some of the most poignant episodes. And part of that was because it was delivered in such a an out of the box comedic fashion. Yep. Like, 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 I feel like you learn more about the Enterprise and its crew in a lot of those episodes with Q in it, even though they're all bonkers and, you know, Worf's trying to rip his head off and he's just super frustrated <laughs> and, you know, nobody knows what's going on. You learn so much more about them than in just, like, the formulaic, oh, no, the sun's going to blow up in this system and we need to save the people on this planet from the sun blowing up. So we do yeah, something with sure. tachyons and particles and photons and then Geordie sort of goes hmm 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 and then presses buttons and stuff happens. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So I feel like it might fit from what we've seen of two episodes of Picard, I reckon actually Q would fit it quite well. Um yeah. in some way. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, no, lots of mysteries have been set up and I'm keen to see them start paying off. <laughs> um the guys who went to the premiere of, of Picard said that they actually played the first three episodes basically as one movie. So they oh, like cut nice. out the, okay. the openers and the, the the closing credits and stuff, yep. and just ran it as one continuous sort of thing, um, which makes me feel like those like these first three episodes are definitely going to be like the setup and the beginning yep. of the action, and then we'll sort of play around in that space for a bit, and then sort of land at a resolution somewhere at the end, which will be hmm. good. Yeah, uh, yeah, but no, we could talk about Picard all night, but we should probably push on. <laughs> because um, we are not a Picard podcast yet. Yet. Um, but give okay. it time. Give it time. But let's go to signals from the front. What uh, have you so been Andrew, working on, Doug? What have I been working on? Uh, that's a good question. I have been working on a few different bits and pieces. Um, mostly, uh, well, so Sisters of Battle, quick update. I have finished a lot of my Ecclesiarchy stuff, so Archiflagellance, um, Penitent Engines, that sort of thing. And I think I'm going to stop there. Uh, I've decided, or I've remembered, how much I dislike painting power armor. <laughs> uh, and therefore, don't think I'll be investing super heavily in the sisters' side of things. Yep, just uh, I'd rather just have a thousand points of weirdos that I can plug into a guard mm-hmm. sort of regiment and, and play around with. Yeah, nice. Uh, so that's the plan. So I'm going to go get some crusaders and stuff to find a good model to use for them. Yeah. Um, and, and do that, which will be good. Although I noticed the Sisters Codex changed them from 10-man uh, max to 6-man max. Oh, I haven't Which is that. a shame, because my... Or, actually, maybe Battlescribe is just telling me fibs. I haven't properly checked. Um, but my Gene Stealers will be most upset about, the, <laughs> about that with the Crusaders that are in their list. Um, yeah. But that's fine. But in terms of things I've actually been working on, uh, I finally got my Unarmored Marines from... Uh, you? What do you mean? You've Hollis. had those for ages. You've yeah, well, Hollis ever. sent them ages ago. Um, and apparently I've just had them at your house for years. Um, yeah, it's been lost, lost in the warp, mate. Yeah, clearly, right? Uh, yeah, translation <laughs> issues. Um, so I cracked them open, cleaned them up, and painted the first set of them uh, over this weekend, or 
over this week, uh, which has been a lot of fun, actually, just to play around with skin tones and, and that sort of stuff. Um, they'll make fine objective markers. Uh, my Instagram, BWD Studios, has them up if you want to go have a look. Um, next, I'll be working on the extra large ones, which are sort of the Primera-sized unarmored marines. Same poses, just bigger. Just bigger uh, eyes, yeah. For that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that uh, Tagged Events' other Kickstarter has fulfilled, uh, I'm keen to get my Enslavers. Sorry, my totally not Enslavers. For yeah, my, fl- my, my floating brain tendril guys. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. That will be excellent. Um, in other things I've been working on, um, Andrew informed me just before we started recording, I spent 70 bucks on a single model. Um, which was the Ogroid Myrmidon, which is the new Warcry big bruiser-looking dude. Um, he's really cool. I don't quite regret having spent the 70 bucks on him, uh, which is good. <laughs> but um, went together really well, paints up really nicely, so I'm playing around with... I've just finished playing around with the skin tones. Uh, I've been going for a little bit of... Did you ever play Dragon Age, Andrew? No. Okay. That's fine. Um, I've been like the the inspiration for my Myrmidon's skin is very much the Kunari from Dragon Age, that sort of purplish gray, um, but still with a bit of flesh tone, sort of in it, which has been a bit of fun. So next is on to weapons and leather straps and shit. Yeah, I've got to figure nice. out what I, color loincloth yeah. is going to work, but we'll get there. I think you just posted it in one of the uh, in in one of the chats and is yeah no very yeah liking that. I reckon that'll be very cool when it's done. Yeah. Um, I've just got to figure out what to do with all the runes carved into his skin. Do I want to do I want to make them glow or do I just want to make them look like scar tissue? Mm, think... Make them glow. Make them glow. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe running because the, the complementary color to that sort of red purple I've got on the skin is going to be like almost nylac oxide. Mm-hmm. So I could run that just in the the rune holes, um, and give him a bit of a, a fun spot color. You're 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 just actually using it as an ogroid myrmidon for Warcry, right? Like you didn't have any other things for him. Yeah, cool. not particularly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I might even just do red. Red's always a good, like a really bright red. Awesome. Because chaos likes red. But anyway, I'll figure that out. So I'm still working on him, but coming along. Um, how about you? What have you been working on? Um, well, as I said, I did a huge amount of hobby in the 11 days mm. prior to, uh, act of heresy because, um, <laughs> we had all sorts of issues with, um, the team we were part of. Uh, we had people mm-hmm. sort of completely ghost us and disappear and all sorts of things. So I went from playing with like five little aeronautica planes all weekend to, Hey, do you mind bringing like 3000 points down? And, you know, doing all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. so i had to touch up the uh the death guard which was a lot more than i thought it was gonna be um so yeah huge, huge amount of work on that, on that side so uh, that's kind of cool that it's all done um but no i actually wanted to talk about a couple of things that have just been released uh, mm. one of which sure. is the uh updated forge world uh transfers for emperor's children um, they did do White Scars and Dark Angels, but obviously that's the first set we've seen, which is pretty cool for those guys. Um, mm-hmm. But super, super keen to grab a, a bunch of those uh, Empress Children ones. They look very, very nice. Cool. 
Uh, and the next thing that I wanted to have a quick chat about uh, that has really, uh, really given me the fizz, uh, the new uh, Aeronautica Imperialis stuff that came out of uh, Nuremberg uh, recently. So the next campaign book out for AI is going to be Taros, uh, Air War. So if you're not familiar with Taros, it was basically a giant clusterfuck between the Imperium and the Tau third sphere expansion. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was third. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, that didn't go too well for the Imperials. Um, but yeah, no, that looks... Yeah. Uh, Looks really cool. So the next uh, next faction we've got into AI is Tau, uh, and we've seen some of their stuff um, with some barracudas and tiger sharks. I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. If my yep, uh, the barracudas are the small ones, tiger sharks are the big ones, which is kind of cool. Uh, but the really exciting stuff is uh, we're finally getting mm-hmm. our uh, lightnings uh, for the Imperials. I'm I'm a little bit upset that it's not the Mark One lightning. Um, and if anybody has a 28 mil uh, original lightning from Forge World that they feel like selling me, uh, hit me up, mm-hmm, drop me a PM. Mm-hmm. I will buy it, even if it costs me a kidney. Um, I literally can't even find them to buy uh, and throw large amounts of money out, but I do want one. But no, lightnings look amazing. Uh, and then the other really cool thing are the Vendetta gunships, uh, which is like the the Valkyrie with tons of uh, last cannons strapped to it and i think you were saying you can actually just make them into valkyries can't you yeah they build either way so you can build them as as valkyries with like the missile pods and stuff like that or as vendettas mm. with the the loaded for laz um i'm real keen to get my hands on those ones because it'd be nice to have some transports that's what i was thinking in. yeah yeah that'd be awesome mm. to play some of those missions um like yeah. you know escorting those dudes in with a bunch of like thunderbolts and shit would be mad Yep, and I would imagine the Lightnings will be scouts, so it'd be nice to have something other than Thunderbolts to be able to field when you can't put mm. bombers on the table. Um, all that yeah. sort of stuff. And, and and I'm guessing they're going to be like the super maneuverable dudes that'll go up to... Um, seven or eight. On... Se- seven or eight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. On the maneuver chart and all that sort of cool stuff, which could be a bit of fun. Yep. And I'm ho- hopefully they've got the same sort of speed as some of those Orc planes. Yeah, you would they imagine. Can sort of so. compete should be nice yes. so yeah and then i'm really It'd be not interesting sure. though right because if they're built for for medium range and they're super fast oh yeah they'll be know, deadly yeah. as anything. yeah <laughs> interesting to see because i mean like lightning should have what is it twin lads on a primaris yep. line and you get twin lads and then you get like frigging three upper hard points so i mean they're probably just gonna be stacked with um Stacked with rockets and shit, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds about right. Could be fun. Do they not have another Sorry, secondary gun built in? Auto cannon or something? Nope. Nope. The uh, the original Lightning, the Mark One Lightning, had a a single long barreled auto cannon. Um, but the uh, the Lightning Primaris yeah, is, is is just twin lads and then three it's other just... three other hard points. So I mean, like you know, you could take a bunch of hell strikes. Um, which I think are the air-to-ground missiles. Yep. Uh, the Sky Strikes, which are Sky Strikes, air-to-air. which is air-to-air. Um, yep. And they also generally have a bunch of bombs on them sometimes. Yeah. You can, yeah, so wing bombs are an option, so I'd imagine they'll just give them those. Yeah. Fairly standard missile array. But yeah, just definitely uh, just looking forward to getting my hands on those. And I mean, like actually, the, the Tau stuff looks pretty cool. Um, mm. Do have a soft spot for the um, the aircraft aesthetic from Tau? 
So yeah, looking the yeah. Uh, looking at those, I'm sort of interested to see how the town might play. Like I sort of get the feeling that with the um, with the way drone like their drones are and all that sort of stuff, they might be like all their planes just have every single arc, but not a huge amount of shooting in every arc. If you get what I mean. Yeah, it feels like they'll have one or two forward-facing, super long-range, super hard-hitting guns. Yeah, and like, then like, like, here's your rail gun sort of thing. Like, fucking yeah, exactly. throw that downfield. And, and Yeah, then like a burst cannon, which will be roughly a heavy bolter mm. out of the other arcs. It'll be interesting, actually, because I'd imagine the Tau turrets, which is probably how they'll do the drones, are going to be down instead of up. So, like, a Marauder bomber can only shoot at stuff at its level or above. I'd imagine the Tau are shooting their level or below. Oh, you know, okay. The drones hang underneath. Yep. Yeah, that's. So they'll be cool. like left, right, uh, left, right, front, back, or all around, uh, down. Down. Yeah. Um, rather than all around up. Should be fun. Um, yeah, should be pretty cool. And I think, um, I think Steve said he would he, he'd, he'd play some uh, Aeronautica uh, once Tau came out. <laughs> Good, because I need the other half of that starter set, and I don't want the Tau. Um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll buy it with you, but I don't want the Tau. That's a shame. We're going to have a problem. No, we're not. You're, you're just going to be playing Tau. I, I don't really understand yeah. what the problem is. It's all right. I have Marauder Destroyers. I don't need any other plane. <laughs> it's fine. If in doubt, more Marauders. Love yeah. It. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, like, you you have a really lovely trophy from ACT that basically says you're a... Uh, what what was it? Was it a you're an ace or you're a wing commander or something like that? I think I might be both. It's both. Okay, awesome. Because I got two awards for that one, and then one award for Battlefleet Gothic. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it flies or sails through the stars, obviously um, Doug is your guy that you want heading your force up. Clearly, uh, my secret tactic is to deploy both more guns and more hull points than the other guy. See, I'm 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 really upset because I just was expecting to hear the garrison, and that would no. have also been okay. No, that's Star Wars Legion. That's the other thing I'm working on. <laughs> Not that I'm running Krennic, sadly. Um, although I do need to find a good Old Republic analogue for Krennic. Mm, I'll get there. Yeah. Legion. I mean, we can we, 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 we can turn the podcast off again and just go looking through STL files like we did for the last hour and a half that we were supposed to be casting for. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I suspect my wife will want me uh, back upstairs at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Um, look, there is one thing I just wanted to um, add in that I know is not in the show notes, but I'm going to um, I'm gonna do it anyway. Because I'll I'm, allow. A I'm a rebel or a separatist, I'm not sure. One or two. Um, so the other thing I just wanted to sort of bring up is something um, I've been working on for a while and you've been helping out with as well, uh, which is the Badab War Reenactment Society page oh, yeah. um, on Facebook. So one of my uh, big hobby goals for 2020 was to actually get that page sort of running again. Uh, I don't know what I was looking at, but it told it something popped up and told me that the page had been active for three years. <laughs> and I mean, like that's how long it's been since we went, Oh, we should totally do some bad up shit. And then I know we like, we did do a fair bit of bad up stuff, but then never really did anything else. Yeah. Um, so I've sort of been like pushing that quite a fair bit. Uh, and we just did, we're doing like mon- monthly painting pledges on there, which is pretty cool. Uh, apart from me failing my first up pledge, which was really embarrassing. <laughs> uh, 
but a lot of guys have been doing some really cool shit. And I mean, the page has doubled, almost doubled in size in the last two and a bit months, which is really awesome. Uh, yep. so we're, we're doing just to let people know if you're interested in the bad Wars or, or just like narrative 40 K and you like space Marines, <laughs> bad abs, a pretty cool yes. thing. So go and go and have a look for us at the bad war reenactment society, uh, on Facebook. Uh, and one of the things we're doing is I've gotten Ben with his new printer farm, uh, to make up some bad war objective tokens. Nice. Um, and we're sort of sending some of those out to some of the dudes that have done some really cool paint work uh, and modeling work with the pledges there. Um, so I think I'm sending uh, a bunch to South Australia, which is really cool. Uh, I'm sending some to, I think, somebody in America, according to a message I just got, which is what sort of, yep, so some to New York, which is which is not too bad. I mean, I've sent stuff to Hawaii before on this podcast. Uh, but yep. the uh, the winner for um, person furthest away from us on planet Earth while still being on planet Earth uh, is my new mate, um, Helgi. Uh, would you like to take a guess at where Helgi's from? Uh, I would guess somewhere reasonably north. Reasonably chilly. north, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little, um, bit, little bit cold. Yeah, renowned for fighting Soviets. Uh, um, that might not be a little so much, too specific. Not, 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 <laughs> not so much Soviets as um, I imagine, you know, fucking polar bears and, and shit like that. So so Helgi, uh, my new mate, is from Iceland. Oh, uh, yes, no, yeah, I was a little bit <laughs> off, but... <laughs> Um, and, and it was hilarious because I was sort of sending, uh, we, 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 we tagged all these guys that had done really well. I think there's about six or seven of them that we've decided to give stuff to, which is mad. Uh, and I said, look, send me a PM and I'll like post this small, these, you know, small little things out to you. And he goes, oh, cool. And he's sent me um, all these lines of writing that actually don't make any sense to me. But I imagine if I stick it on the front of a, an envelope <laughs> and pay a lot of money, it will get to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit the magic of australia post uh... yeah no like, like i i guess it's a bit psych because i swear you know if anybody ever looked at like an australian address and somebody was living in like wodonga or Coopapedi, they'd just be like nah mate fuck off that's made up <laughs> <laughs> yeah and nah, i'll get yes. fucked <laughs> yeah uh and then i've got uh, another another mate uh who's uh, a new friend uh this is uh nico uh and he's from bavaria Oh, nice. uh, from uh, Landshut in Bavaria. So that's going to be um, pretty awesome sending that stuff out. So there's no, there's a really good um, core of dudes that are um, getting stuck into it. Lots of camo marines, which Sweet. has been amazing to see. Uh, my favorite thing about Bad So if you, you like marines uh, and narrative gaming and stuff like that, head on over to the Bad War Reenactment Society. Nice. Um, very cool. Hey, uh, I have just noticed a thing as well, which I might add to our. Uh, hey, 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 no, 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 Double standards. I get to do things you don't. That seems fair. <laughs> um, but what I have noticed, I'm just going to ignore you and keep going, uh, is that the Nemesis Warbringer Titan, the the stunty armed yeah, uh, yeah, major cannon, cannon yeah. that's come out for Adeptus Titanicus. Um, has aeronautica ground assets built into his shoulders? So like the hydro cannons on the oh, on top of yeah, the shoulders nice. are just awesome. the ground assets from AI. Uh, so you can load manticores there, like manticore rockets there, and be fine apparently. Or orc big cannons. I look forward to your conversions now that I have 
announce that to you. Uh, but the other big important news that I missed the first time around, but which is uh, truly worth noting, is you know that new terrain set that came out for AT. The like the um, it's got like the a crane and, and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Brian the Sioux event is there in six millimeter. <laughs> Actually, somebody posted on his Facebook page the other day. I hadn't yeah. seen it for ages, and then it popped up again. I was like, hang mm-hmm. on. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Is that a, is that Forge World that's doing those? No, GW, that... the plastics. GW proper, okay. Mm. That's why I'm not seeing them mm. in front of me. They, look, they don't look bad. The Munitorum containers look quite nice too, actually. Mm. I mean, um, ben, ben printed some. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, they, they, there's, there's so many STLs out there. Actually, that's one of the things that's sort of like a bit annoying about the, um, the terrain side of things is it's kind of like, <laughs> I don't, like, I've got so much like GW terrain, like unbuilt that I think I'm just going to sell off and just use yep. it to buy STLs and fucking just reams of PLA for Ben's printers so you can just print me terrain. Yep. Makes I sense. I think it's a better way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Seems fair. <laughs> Uh, so what else did you have for uh, signals from the front there that was it we, we've already covered it. my stuff um, I awesome. have but I picked up those last two things um, because Brian the Sioux event should be celebrated whenever possible 100% 100% I mean like I imagine that Brian the Sioux event actually has some sort of like cult surrounding him like not so much a gene stealer cult but you know some sort of Sioux event cult where they yeah, worship sure. the uh, the Sioux event um aspect of the god emperor my favorite part about it is that he's going to be designed with like the wrong uh radius or like the wrong buttresses which will make him a chaos portal (laughs) (laughs) and so like demons are just going to spew out of him one day whoops (laughs) someone's going to leave the grate open at like 66 degrees or something and it'll just spew demons out have some blood letters Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, sorry, it's a sewer grade, it'll be. Have some box Nerglings. Yeah. Nerglings. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Great unclean one just explodes out of the <laughs> out of the pipe. It'll be good. Small small Italian plumber, perhaps. <laughs> some mushrooms. Yep. Awesome. Alright, well if that's everything for uh, signals from the front, uh, what we might do is take a quick break and then come back with our uh, main segment, which is going to be talking about Actor Heresy and our upcoming uh, 30K event. Perfect. We will see you on the other side. Okay, and we're back with our main segment uh, on episode 80, and that's going to be our wrap-up from Active Heresy 5. Uh, and I'm going to say it now, um, the last Active Heresy, in yeah. fact. So uh, if anybody's been following uh, Andrew and, you know, the Active Heresy series uh, for the last five years, um, it is no more. Uh, this this year was the last one. Um and you know while, while it's sad um bigger and possibly better things are on the horizon um so he andrew's not sort of i guess giving it away um he's just going to be changing 
the format and what's going on and the rest of it. So um, a little bit bittersweet. Uh, but, yeah, we were down at Actor Heresy over the Australia Day long weekend, which is now going on for about well, what, three weekends ago, I think it was. Something like that. Um, yeah, maybe. Last year sometime. <laughs> just about, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, last century. Um, mm-hmm. So Actor Heresy, for anybody that doesn't know needs the cliff notes, is a 30k Titanicus uh, Aeronautica and Battlefleet Gothic event. Um, it's been going on for the last five years down in Canberra in the ACT here in Australia, run by the godfather of heresy, Andrew Hollis. Um, and I think I, I, I would be very you know, honest in saying it's probably the premier 30k event um, basically anywhere in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've been to some other places and been to a lot of heresy events and I've never sort of come across one that's, you know, I've run a lot of heresy events and I mean, you know, they don't, you know, come close to sort of what Andrew does for Actor Heresy. Um, so absolute, absolute labor of love. So tons of, tons of love going out to Mr. Hollis uh, and everything he's doing and can't wait to see what he comes up with next. Uh, but yeah, so Actor Heresy. Um, this year I was playing on a Loyalist team, which I think is the first time I've played Loyalist at Actor Heresy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was pretty cool. Uh, apart from sort of being originally captaining a loyalist team then moving into a another team that was supposed to be playing uh elder and other xenos which ended up being like elder and necrons uh mm-hmm. using andrew's um codexes for those and then going from there to playing aeronautica <laughs> or supposedly playing aeronautica with you and nick um, <laughs> and then that kind of fell in a heap when we lost some people off our team uh, and had to in the space of two weeks, uh, jump into a 3000 point slot, which was pretty crazy. Um, and involved me doing something like four to five hours of hobby every night for 11 nights, which my wife loved, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but got my, uh, got my death guard, uh, 3000 point army, uh, which was basically my land raider armored column all done and right. dusted the only thing that uh, i need to finish off on those guys which i don't know if it'll ever happen actually is just doing decals uh that was the one thing i i never got around to but that was pretty cool um and then the other cool thing about actor heresy this year was uh everybody had to bring like all the teams had to bring some tables uh, and a bunch of terrain which when you know you've got something like a hundred people playing in an event um you know it's awesome when people can bring their own stuff helps out a lot yeah. Uh, but the other really cool thing was not only could you bring your tables, you could kind of like come up with missions and all sorts of stuff. So you really had no idea what was going to be there uh, on those tables because you could come up with anything. Uh, I think the table that I ended up taking at the last minute when I got asked to was um, like a snow theme table uh, and had just like a, a random roll table at the beginning of every turn that could do anything from like freeze people uh, in place and lock out their armor so they couldn't move. <laughs> Uh, through to getting attacked by like polar drop bears um, if they stood on terrain for too long, which was pretty awesome. Um, So that sort of sets the scene a little bit. Um, So I played four games, uh, four games, two games each day. uh, And at 3000 points, that was honestly, I didn't want to play any more than that. Uh, (laughs) They were very, very hot days. Uh, quite a bit of beer was consumed during the day because we were playing at the uh, the football club there at Ainsley, which was an amazing venue, by the way. Lots of love for the uh, the Ainsley staff. 
Um, so first game, uh, I played uh, Paul. Uh, anybody that, that sort of hangs around here in Australia knows Paul EC, uh, although he was playing his Death Guard. Um, so one of the cool things was when I got told I was going to be playing Loyalist Death Guard, um, I decided to get rid of all the characters out of my Death Guard Legion that were like all the trader guys that had backstories built up over the last four or five years. And I bought in some new characters. So I had a, um, I've got a Dusk Raider Praetor leading the army, who's like an old mm-hmm. Terran dude. Um, and his whole thing is basically, um, he never liked Matarian. He never trusted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and was like waiting for him to do something dodgy. And now he's just going around like collecting the heads of all the, um, all the barbarous born traders. So his whole thing is just like, he wants to go and murder up the Death Guard. So it was really cool getting paired up with, uh, with Paul first thing. Um, and we got to play on an amazing board that was built by uh, another guy from Sydney, uh, Jack, mm-hmm. um, which was which was lovely. Uh, the only problem was there was so much terrain on the board, um, and we both had very armor-heavy uh, army, so there wasn't a ton of moving for a while. And yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, basically, just absolute slugfest. Uh, the tanks sat back and just belted each other for about three turns, while some of our um, like my terminators, because that's the only other thing I've got apart from the land raiders. We're sort of capping some objectives. Um, Paul's dudes were doing the same, although he was doing it with like um, tactical guys and breaches. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of that was sort of an interesting interplay. Um, we did manage to. Um, he was using a renamed um, Durak Rask because um, Andrew doesn't allow named characters or Primarchs. Uh, if you want to use a named character, you've got to change the backstory and the name for it. And I can't remember what Paul said the guy's name is, um, but managed to. Um, blow him to to bits with some uh, pinpoint last cannon fire was about the only stuff that hit all game uh but sadly he'd managed to um manage to pull an extra objective on me because it was like a maelstrom deck that we were using mm. so he pulled an extra objective on me that was a, a two vp instead of a single vp uh so in the end uh, he won it by one victory point uh, at the end of uh turn six but it was awesome it was like a, a crazy slog fest um so like perfect like death guard grinding attrition on each other sort of stuff, um, and I walked away with uh, with his general's head. So that was a, a pyrrhic victory for me. Um, which That'll was do. Cool. Uh, then the afternoon, uh, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, uh, I got paired up with uh, somebody who I've I've sort of spoken to and, and sort of consider uh, an internet friend. Uh, but this guy is an absolute god. Uh, when it comes to modeling and painting and uh, and all things narrative. And that's uh, Nick Beatty from down in mm. uh, Victoria, um, who's also one of the uh, Victorian EOs that, that runs some stuff. And uh, his incredible Dark Mechanicus army. And if you haven't seen Nick's Dark Mechanicus army, um, if you jump on our Facebook page, I think there's some photos. But if you go to um, the Australian, the Oz30K Facebook page, um, and you type in Nick Beatty, there's like millions upon millions of photos there. And I mean, it's just unbelievable, uh, the sort of stuff that he's doing. It's crazy grimdark, um, lots of like big mech spider creatures. Um, yeah. you know that, you know, that German company, uh, Mortane that, yep. that did those yep. big yep. super heavies that everybody loved for so long. Um, well, he, he restarted his store quite recently and started adding a bunch of shit to it. And one of the big things he made was a super heavy spider slash crab tank thing. Yep. 
and Nick used that as a base to build an Ordinatus. And I don't know if anybody anybody listening's ever played against an Ordinatus, and this is the one with the volcano cannon on it. Um, but they're really fucking nasty. They're <laughs> really fucking nasty. Um, so anyway, it was my armored column against his uh, his his dark mech, which was a pretty bad matchup for starters because his stuff's all set up for like just eating armor. Like he's got um, <laughs> the Skatari um, Titan Guard with all the haywire mm-hmm. in like fucking termites and shit. And I mean, if you want to wow, kill dude. if you want to kill tanks, Skatari. Um, I'm trying to think what they're called. Hoplites. Yeah. yeah. Skatari hoplites in fucking termites that do pinpoint deep strikes mm-hmm. just fucking wreck tanks like nobody's business and they cost like almost no points to do it as well um so basically imagine um in your mind like a 30k version of like black hawk down mogadishu kind of <laughs> like streets with big buildings um when we looked at the mission and we rolled up he was a defender right and he had to defend a petrol station which was hilarious considering I was rolling in an unarmed column. So he had to protect, he had to protect the petrol station from me. And I had to just get dudes down to the petrol station and wipe him out off the objective. The problem was that um, the way the mission had been written was his ordinatus was considered to be a denial unit. Mm. So I was going to have to basically wipe his entire army out to have any chance of winning, um, which was looking really good when I rolled the first dice, which was the CZ initiative dice and rolled a six. And I'm like, awesome. I can put a bunch of hurt on him. We had, we were playing short edge to short edge. So I'm like, I've got a big fucking drive, but it's fairly clear. And I've just got tons of last cannons. So I'm like, let's try and wipe everything out, give it a turn or two. And I'll get stuck into the, um, Ordinatus with like, uh, thunder hammers and chain fists and stuff like that. Makes sense. I'm like, this is going to go so well for me. I can see it <laughs> happening. Nick was like, oh shit, he's seized. And I mean, like, he was quite aggressive with some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the the next role after the seize was for my lead Spartan that had my Grave Wardens and Praetor in it. Um, mm-hmm. Because it had to go over uh, what I could only describe as a tissue box um, <laughs> that was declared as difficult terrain and don't don't worry it, it's got a dozer blade on it um well yeah i then rolled double ones um <laughs> the three land raiders behind the spartan couldn't go anywhere literally couldn't go anywhere because there was nowhere else to go um, mm-hmm. um and then on the other side of the board in the other street my other spartan and the other land raider did kind of move up but they were kind of like fuck it if those guys aren't going anywhere i don't know if we want to go anywhere <laughs> uh, so they didn't get particularly far um and I'd screwed all my firing solutions because I just had a Spartan sitting in front of like a bunch of land raiders. Um, mm-hmm. So they couldn't see anything. So I, I think I did like two wounds to a, um, to some sort of bot. Uh, it was an Artilax, I think. Big claw yep. bot thing. Yep. Um, so I think I took like two wounds off an Artilax and killed like a thrall um, with like yeah. 16 last cannon shots um, and a bunch of heavy bolters. And then he opened up with the Ordinatus which um, dropped a shell on a Spartan and two land raiders and just detonated those. Uh, and then his termite showed up and detonated the rest of them. So, yeah, that was... <laughs> mm, you hate to see it. <laughs> oh, it was, it, was, it was brutal, but, I mean, his army was so gorgeous that I really didn't mind because I'm just, yep. I was just standing there just looking at the stuff and just going, this is, this is fucking incredible. I mean, like, his... Um, I love the Forge World Hoplite models. Yeah, 
what he'd done was he got the um, the Necromunder Caldor gang. Yep. And then the Hoplite stuff, and then some like Skatari parts. Yeah. And nice. mashed them all together so they looked like they had like a bit of a the Caldor like gang parts gave them like this weird broken puppet feel. Like this yeah, like weird cool. like you know rotten grandeur sort of thing, and then like his his paint schemes like a. They're all like um, snow based and stuff, and it's like a super cold palette. Except all mm. the OSL on it is like orange, like glowy orange and glowy red, mm-hmm. and it was just like fucking awesome. So I was just standing there, just like you know, oogling his models, just going, "This is so awesome." As he's like just fucking rolling more dice at me, like it's cool, just take it off. It's like it's it's dead. It's all right. I just want to get your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so if you uh, if if you get a chance to uh, go and take a look at Nick's army, it's totally worth it. Uh, I know he's working on a Thunder Warrior army at the moment, actually. He is, which is going to be fucking immense. I mean, this is how good this guy's army is, right? He bought this massive display board for it, which was incredible. Mm. All the uh, all the waitresses that were bringing drinks upstairs and querying drinks. At one point, I was walking out of the hall, and he'd had he had the board set up on a table to the side, and was just taking the models off it and putting them back on it between games. And there were three waitresses just hanging out and just checking out his board and all of his models. I mean, everywhere else in the room, they were just like fucking nerds. <laughs> and then they walked past this thing and all three of them had stopped and were like pointing at shit and like, oh my God. And they were there for like a good 10 or 15 minutes just looking at his stuff. Um, <laughs> so I mean, like, that's how good it is. It has appeal outside of the hobby, um, which was really awesome. Uh, so that was day one, nice. uh, which was very cool. Um, I, I honestly have no idea how loyalist traders were going at the end of day one, although I was pretty sure that our team was doing it horrifically. Um, <laughs> we just kept pulling bad matchups. I mean, like Steve was playing um, Centurion for us um, and he'd never played against a demon player before and he got thrown up yeah. against apparently the hardest demon player kicking around in australia at the moment um or one of the hardest so that was apparently really interesting and then the mission wasn't great as well and a few other things um and then day two um which was pretty uh pretty interesting day for me um i ended up playing um who did i start day two against okay question I- no, okay, it, it was Jared. So I played Jared Anderson, uh, who used to be one of the one of the Sydney guys, was then one of the Canberra guys for a while, and I think is now down in Victoria. Um, one of the army lads, awesome dude, and once again another Death Guard army, uh, and one of That's the right. best Death Guard armies I've ever seen. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, so that was really cool, and I haven't seen Jared in a couple of years, so it, it was really awesome to um, throw some dice with him. Uh, which was lovely, and once again, just all-out grind fest. Um, we had a, we almost had like a very mirrored army. Like he had a, a Spartan full of like grave wardens and a praetor. He had a chaplain. I had a chaplain. Um, but he had like some quad guns and a few other things. Um, and the the board we were playing on had like a big sky shield in the middle of it, and it was basically just cap the sky shield. Yep. So like he'd get dudes onto the sky shield, and I'd just like run over the top of them and kill them. And then he'd like put another unit out that would run over the top and kill those guys. Um, 
So that was like, that was really cool backwards and forwards. Um, and I managed to cut down both his Praetor and his Chaplain um, in the same round of combat, which was really cool. Uh, my Chaplain kind of just went nuts after losing most of his squad and just started beating people with a Thunder <laughs> Hammer, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, so there were some more heads for the wall there. That uh, unfortunately, um, like the game against Paul, it was coming down to basically who who had the scoring unit on the um on the sky shield and there were a few other um there were a few other like victory conditions as well there and we'd been tracking them through the game and we got to the last turn and he had i had a unit on the sky shield he had a unit on the sky shield so we counted each other out um if i could take the sky shield i'd win by like three points Mm -hmm. um if I couldn't take the sky shield. He would win by like a point. Mm. Um, so my, I had three terminators. He had one, one missile launcher dude. Uh, they, no, he had like two missile launcher dudes. They basically weren't going to be able to charge him because the top of the sky shield had other terrain on it, which was difficult. So it's going to be like an, an 11 inch charge or something for them. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll just shoot them. Like surely like six combi bolters should be able to take two of these dudes off. So, they shot and killed one dude. The other dude then fails his leadership test and runs, and I'm just like, fuck yes, I've got this, I've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, he, 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 he ran two inches um, oh. and then rallied the next turn. <laughs> yep. Hate to see it. Uh, and, there was, and there was just, there was no way. And, and when he um, when, when, when he fled, he got behind the piece of, of cover. So then when he rallied, Jared just left him in behind cover. So there was no way of me getting to him. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I lost that one by one point. But it was one of the best game of 30k I think I've oh, ever good. had. Um, very, very knife edge backwards and forwards, which was cool. Um, and then I had another super, uh, super awesome opponent for my last game, which was um, Dom Fabry. Um, nice who I think some people would know as the... So I make sure I get his name right. The oh, I think he's painting studio. No, no, no. He's um the fabricator. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think it's like the fabricator general or something like that. Um, is his... Let me have a look. I'm just flicking over the fabricator general, see if it's him. I think, yeah, I think that might be Dom. Um, I might have that wrong. Apologies, Dom, if I do. Uh, but if you look up Dom Fabry on uh, the Oz30K page and see his incredible army, he's another, you know, absolute top-shelf painter and modeler mm-hmm. uh, who I haven't seen in, like, four years since the first MKA course. Um, but I got uh, I got to play his incredible World Eaters force, um, and he'd recently... So um, when, when I... I'd seen him ages ago, like his World Eater Force was, you know, lots of like assault marines and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, oh, I finally got around to painting something else. So he goes, I, I, I brought it down to act. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what did you paint? And he goes, oh, Perfiron. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I rolled, so I rolled up to uh, what was most probably the most open boarded act. Um, I think it had about four bits of terrain on it, which were little hills. Um, and he had a Pafiron sitting in the back corner, just surrounded in like assault squads um, against an armored column. So, so it went exactly the way everybody thinks it went, um, mm-hmm. and that was just that land raider there. Don't like it. Take it off. That land raider. Yep. Take it off. Um, I, I did manage to get it down to I think two whole points, 
uh, in the end. But by that, but by that point, the uh, the red butchers had turned up, and a bunch of other uh, other dudes had turned up, and were starting to just like cave in the sides of land raiders. Um, yep. But the best thing was that um, we ended up with this massive all-in scrum in the middle of the table because I was just like, my stuff's gonna die if I don't get it in the combat. So I started charging world eaters, uh, which is an interesting thing to do. Uh, but we ended up with a, a fight that had my Praetor, my Chaplain, his Herald, his Praetor. And I think he had another console in there as well. And then I think there was like at one point, you know, almost 20 Terminators on my side. Mm-hmm. He had a bunch of Terminators and then like 40 Assault Marines. Yeah, wow. So like rolling like one Assault phase out took us like 35 40 minutes to do but it was awesome it was really really cool um and there's a bunch of photos up on our facebook page of it i'm pretty sure or maybe it's our instagram page that they're on um and it's yeah it was very very cool uh and the most important thing was i I murdered all of his um all his characters again uh, which was really cool so uh yeah no uh solomon ghent who's my my praetor um walked away from act with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of new heads for his belt which was very very cool um but unfortunately i actually went um oh and four for the weekend <laughs> which was pretty bad um two two massive blowouts um the, the the game against um nick and dom uh and then two one point losses which are you know fairly devastating but you know what it was an awesome weekend um and I'm pretty sure Andrew said on the last night that the uh, the traders had run over the top of um, the loyalists on the last day as well. So I think it was a, a story that was being repeated, sort of across the uh, across the whole room with everybody. So yeah, but no, it was uh, it was really awesome to get back and see a whole lot of people I haven't seen in in you know in some cases a couple of years. I uh, got got to hang out with uh, Michael and uh, Michael and Tim from the Iowa Horace, who uh, I haven't seen for a long time. So that was mm. cool to catch up with those dudes. Uh, obviously, uh, Dave from yeah. down in uh, down in Tassie, Dave Carpenter, uh, who assists Andrew with uh, actor heresy and that sort of stuff, and runs his own events down there in uh, Hobart. It's amazing to uh, catch up with him. Mm-hmm. so yeah uh and you know if anybody's listening that uh did see me down at actor heresy and i didn't say hello i do apologize i think i was running around like a nut bag um drinking lots of beer and, and rolling lots of dice so um yeah nice. that was very 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 cool so what was your uh what was what was your act experience like there yeah well the air quality was much better because i was uh several thousand uh miles above you which was good uh, so I played Aeronautica Imperialis, well, at least several thousand. Anyway, uh, I was playing Aeronautica Imperialis over the uh, over the weekend, mostly. So Saturday, I played four games with Nick, uh, Nick Worth, who was the other Aeronautica player there for Active Heresy. Um, he brought out his Orcs. Uh, I brought the Imperial Roulettes. Uh, we managed to cram in two games per session, basically, which was a bit of fun with plenty of time for mucking around and chatting and that sort of stuff. Um, game one, we played a basic dogfight uh and my uh marauder destroyers pretty much carried the day which was good um and then we played a bombing run uh and my marauder destroyers carried the day there's a bit of a theme that sort of crops up over the course of (laughs) the day um at that point marauder number nine was starting to distinguish itself so it had made 
four kills over the two games and had already sort of picked up a status by surviving two games. Um, yeah. And then we broke for lunch and then we got up to game three and game three was garrison relief. So Imperial troops were being attacked by orcs and we needed to drop in some more troops to um, help them out. Uh, Marauder number nine got to, I think, six kills. Or Destroyer number nine, sorry, got to six kills on that game, so got an oh, nice. ace skill out of it. Um, yeah, and then the last game was Search and Rescue. So one of the Imperial uh, crews had been downed, and my job was to go and search for them and then pick them up. Um, and Marauder number nine made four kills on that game. So, uh, yeah, good day. So, so, uh, so, so what's, what's, what's Marauder number nine's call, call sign? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that, and I do have it written down somewhere. <laughs> because I know all of your Marauders, well, yeah, all your planes have call signs. Um, and do. I remember you mentioning it to me at lunchtime and being like, that's, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> is it, is number nine Doctor's Orders? I think it's Doctor's Orders. Yeah, awesome. Um, that would make sense, because number nine, so I basically just picked um, either bingo numbers or like old military designations for them. Uh, and number nine was a type of laxative that was prescribed by military doctors to troops during one of the world wars. Uh, <laughs> don't at me with the specifics. I'm fine without them. Um, That's awesome. But number nine was then thereafter known as doctor's orders. Yeah. Very, very cool. I love that. Uh, yep. Destroyer number nine is doctor's orders. Uh, piloted by Commander Felbrig. Who did quite well. Uh, Lucky 7, so Marauder Destroyer number 7, was technically my command plane, but Commander Harwood went down in a blaze of glory on game 1. So, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I know. So, is, so, so is, that, is that a refit, or, or did they get totally scrapped and you're taking it off the No, roster? Harwood is super dead. Um, <laughs> lost with all hands. Oh, no. Um, having said that, the two Thunderbolts did pretty well over the weekend uh, while I was playing with them. So any game where I wasn't, yeah, when I wasn't, when it wasn't a bombing run, I left the the Marauder bombers at home and took at least one Thunderbolt instead. Yeah, nice. Um, normally Fury number one, aces low with um, mm-hmm. Maximilian Bruis in the cockpit. He did all right. Shot down some orcs. Um, Nick, to his credit, did really well. Um, he started off by loading down his orc planes with a lot of upgrades in our first couple of games, uh, and then decided to go very light and bring more planes um, in the back sort of two games, and that seemed to work a bit better for him, um, which was really good. Yeah. Uh, and that was Aeronautica. Aeronautica was a lot of fun. Um, I'm really loving playing Aeronautica as well, so I went back down to Canberra this weekend just gone and played in, in their sort of regular catch-up down there. Oh, um, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell so me all about it. And played there as well. So we played, again, Imperials versus Orcs. Uh, again, the Destroyers were just killing it. Um, both of my Destroyers ended up achieving A status. Number seven became a double ace over the course of the day. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, the Orc players are getting good, though, which is nice. Um, so... Who was it? Nick and I think Aiden was on my team, so it might have been Josh was the other guy. Anyway, um, the Orc guys pulled off this excellent 
second turn attack that sort of cripples like one of my bombers one of my destroyers was down to one wound uh i think one of my bombers was gone and uh my teammate had lost a thunderbolt in one round of orc shooting which was great uh and then after that we just sort of got behind them again and shot them down so imperial victory nice the way it should Um, be yeah i I feel like I feel like, and I know we're not really talking tactics for Aeronautica at this point, but I feel like the big thing is um, orcs really benefit from having something like a heavy bomber or a grot bomber that they can sit in the middle of the of the formation. So having some tactical jets they can just throw in, but then also having a big heavy hitter that sort of floats up and then drops a bunch of grot bombs. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's it like um, playing against um, against grot bombs and stuff? Well, I don't know yet. So that's the thing. The guys, the orc players, only had the starter oh, sets. Oh, they haven't had any. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. So nobody was fielding a heavy bomber or a grunt bomber, and I feel like the game sort of gone a bit differently if there had been those in there. Um, yeah, because particularly the destroyers, the Marauder destroyers, feel a little bit two points efficient compared to Daka jets and stuff. <laughs> mm, yeah. No, they do throw yeah. a ton of fucking punishment out of those things. Yeah, nine shots that hit on fours at medium range. Oh, sorry, the yeah. damage on fours at medium range. It's um. Hard to come back from, particularly when you've got a two-structure point DACA jet sort of floating around. <laughs> um, but that was Aeronautica, and on the Sunday for Active Heresy, so we've gone from Active Heresy forward in time three weeks, let's go back in time three weeks, um, <laughs> back to Active Heresy. Uh, I got roped into the Battlefleet Gothic game, which was a lot of fun, um, and sort of yeah, rekindled my love it. for that game as well. Um, the mission was there was a ship that we'd lost contact with um, that was now suddenly heading towards the planet, Entregar 3. Is that where we were? Yep, that sounds right. Excellent, good. Um, and so, in theory, we were there to shoot it, like all the players were there to shoot at each other and then go home. But there was this massive battleship just kind of slowly advancing up the table. Um, and so then there was an objective to pick up behind the ship, like behind the battleship. And so I flew one of my little Cobra destroyers underneath it to try and get it. And I then failed the identify friend foe role. Uh, uh, yep, yep, yep. Woke up the ship a little bit. Uh, fortunately, my Cobra got behind it, so it didn't get shot. Um, but then I spent the rest of the game, because I only had one Cobra left, because the, the squadron had been shot up, just reloading and firing two little torpedoes at this battleship every turn, just pissing it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where it would just unload firepower into absolutely everything. But my little uh, Cobra was safe behind it, just popping off torpedoes uh, every turn. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, so eventually we got to the stage. I had annoyed the ship enough that it was now going all ahead full, trying to get to the the, um, the space station. It pulled yep. up to the space station. Um, one of my one of the other players tried to board the ship to figure out what was going on, and promptly lost all contact with their with their own battleship, uh, which didn't go well. <laughs> Uh, which then took up escort position for the the flagship. Uh, So we had to kill it then as well. Uh, And then uh, the space station and the the cruiser shot at each other. Uh, Neither of them destroyed each other, so they both sort of broke off and went home. Uh, And that was sort of the the overarching narrative, and we sort of had the the other player or the players sort of floating around in between that, uh, trying to make something happen, which was fun. Uh, as it turns out, as we learnt at the end of the day, that ship was full of enslavers. Hence That's the problem. It. 
<laughs> yeah, hence losing contact with anyone who got within teleport range. That's it, giant fucking space squid things that they are. Mm-hmm. I had suspected as much when they were like, you've lost all contact with this ship, and now it's not reading properly on sensors. I'm like, I suspect something warpy has happened here. Yeah. And since it's yeah. not the traders doing it, I suspect it's in Is the tag coming up as Event Horizon? Hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Are my eyes still in their sockets? I don't know. It's fine. Where we're going, you won't need eyes. That's good. Hmm. Liberate, 2TMA, X in fairness. No. Um... <laughs> Uh, but no, so that was a lot of fun. I, I hadn't expected to play Battlefleet Gothic, um, but I'm glad I did. And we've been sort of talking back and forth ever since about how to bring yeah. the current rule set in line with sort of the alternating activations and stuff from the rest of the specialist games, um, which, you know, work seems to be continuing apace. And as much as I dislike house rules, this feels like a good step if you're going to play big games of BFG, because we were just yeah. playing with like a cruiser and some escorts and it worked fine. But I don't know. I'd want to play bigger with I go, you go mechanics. Yeah, I, I think that that was sort of interesting. That's what I was spending a lot of time talking to um, Andrew and uh, and Tim about, and the other guys that were that were up the back. And I apologise, I, I can't remember who it was that we were talking to. Um, but yeah, it was like I've played a fair bit of Star Wars Armada. Um, yep. Steve and I picked that up as a fleet game a couple of years back when it came out. And I mean, that's fucking amazing if you, if you love Star Wars. Mm. But one of the best things about it is alternating activations. So as much as you might have like a fucking massive ISD, right? You have to go backwards and forwards. You can't just yeah. line up everything and just blast away. <laughs> and I mean, that's what I remember. Like I used to play a bit of Gothic when it came out yep. years ago. And I remember that's kind of how it got at some points, especially when like Nova cannons became a bit more um, readily available on bigger fleets. Was it was like a lot of the stuff was like if you if you're pinned out in the open, you you yeah. could get taken apart pretty quickly. And then I mean like they dropped Elder in, um, which mm-hmm. wasn't too bad. But as, as as Andrew says, most people didn't know how the the mechanics for Elder actually worked and only used the fucking positives, not the negatives. Yeah. Um, so they were they were pretty nasty. Um, and then the thing that really um, really fucked over Battlefleet Gothic, as far as I'm concerned, and everybody else in the world is is introducing Necrons that just broke every rule in the game. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that was. Um, so no, it, it, it's kind of cool to uh, be thinking about it again. And I know. Um, Obviously, having access to things like fucking uh, 3D printers, like resin ones and PLA yeah. ones, Gothic is is much more accessible now. Uh, yep. There's a period there where, like, you know, even three plastic cruisers or whatever would go for, like, £100 on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, it was never worth it. And I know you and I would sit around going, oh, Gothic, but Gothic. And then we'd be like, it's fine. They're going to release something soon. Uh, and we've now we've now been told that there's, there's a bit of inside information that apparently Gothic was very high up on the list um, until they realized what it was going to take to sort of redo it. And they, they felt that maybe it wasn't worth it for Gothic at the moment. So um, from what I've heard, um, and I think you might've been standing next to me when we got told this, um, it could be anywhere yeah. up to five years before we see Gothic come out, um, which is a bit sad, but it does mean that I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, well, in that case, I might put some money into some STL files and uh, and stuff like that and see what we can do. And I think you're, you're right. You know, alternating activations is 
is looking like it, it probably works quite well. Um, there's a yeah. few things that need to be finessed. I think somebody was talking about like boarding actions for certain fleets need to be changed a bit. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some things to tinker with. But I, again, on Saturday down in Canberra, um, there were a couple of lads there playing BFG with the alternating activation. Um, oh, so uh, you've actually seen it in the wild. Also, I have. I have seen it in the wild. And one of those fleets was Necrons. Oh, even. for fuck's sakes. Uh, uh, I know. I know. But the Imperials <laughs> held their own. Um, and it, it, from what I, from the, the debrief sort of afterwards, it seemed like a much more even and fun game because you couldn't move every Necron ship to an advantageous position and then just blow away the Imperials. At the same you time, get yeah. One good shot off, and then the Imperials would wheel around and just like detonate a couple of Necron ships. Mm. So it seemed to balance out a bit better, uh, which was yeah, really nice. cool. So, yeah, and then they played, I think, a Chaos versus Imperials game afterwards to to test sort of some slightly more balanced fleets, and that seemed to work really well, too. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, well, was there anything else from uh, Acta Heresy or last weekend that you wanted to cover off? Uh, not really. Big thank you to Hollis for organizing kind of both events, uh, but particularly yeah. Act of Heresy, putting all the work in. Um, big ups to the team captains for organising their teams because herding gamers is is tricky. Um, yeah, especially uh, a, a massive thanks to uh, to Adrian, our team captain, mm-hmm. um, who actually got uh, was in a really nasty head-on uh, collision like a week before mm-hmm. ACT. Um, wasn't his fault. Somebody else came around the corner on the wrong side of the road and took him out at 80Ks an hour. And I mean, yeah. if you've ever met Ado, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, for, for, for somebody to walk out of an 80k an hour head-on collision with a broken wrist, well, you know, it was mm-hmm. going to be Ado. Uh, but, so no, uh, big props to him. I think he was playing through a fair amount of pain, uh, and it was yes. his uh, his main rolling hand that was broken. Yep. <laughs> so he did. He did bloody well. Um, so big props to him. Yeah, 100%. Mad love for Hollis and everything he's done for the hobby uh, over the last, mm-hmm. probably going on for close to like seven or eight years now. Uh, and definitely the last five with ACT and cannot wait. Uh, I'm sure we'll have him on the show pretty soon uh, once we're allowed to talk about what's going on next year um, with different things. Uh, We'll get him on to have a bit of a chat about that. And uh, the other thing, actually, talking about Battlefleet Gothic, um, we'll definitely talk about more Battlefleet Gothic in upcoming episodes. But Mm -hmm. um, if you want to sort of wet your eardrums, uh, I just noticed that uh, Tim over at Aya Horus has put out the second episode of Brace for Impact, which is their kind yeah, of that's... um BFG podcast. Uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm uh, definitely going to try and listen to it over the weekend because I think he was playing some games up in Queensland with alternating activations and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so it'll be really cool to see um what comes out of that. Awesome, sounds great. Yeah. Okay, and I'm back to wrap up the show. Uh, Doug's had to run off because it's now uh, well past midnight uh, on a work night, uh, but that's the joys of podcasting. So I'm back being a bit of a serial killer here. The first thing I want to go over is um, we're back doing 30K events in 2020, which is uh, really amazing. Uh, if you are on any of the Odds 30K uh, Facebook pages uh, or you look at the Loaded Dice page, and I guess you probably do if you're listening to this, um, 
we're running a six event series uh, starting on the 22nd of February, which is about two weeks from now. Um, and it's being called the Siege of Asphodel Bridge. Uh, so this is our narrative campaign for 2020. And it's incorporating 30K, Adaptus Titanicus, Aeronautica Imperialis, and I would imagine we're going to bring some Battlefleet Gothic into it. Uh, so the big thing uh, for us is obviously we haven't done this for a bit over a year. Um, and we're actually, we've changed venues. Uh, so we're now partnering up with uh, the legends over at The Combat Company. Uh, and if you buy hobby accessories or models in Australia, you'll know who the hobby, hobby uh, sorry, the combat company is. Uh, they do all the hobby goodness and they're at Hearn Street in Mortdale. Uh, but obviously their website is amazing uh, and you can just get stuff posted super quickly out to you from there if you don't want to make it all the way over to Morty. Uh, but if you do want to come to this, the first chapter of Siege of Asphodel Bridge, uh, that's on the 22nd of February. Uh, there's only 16 spots for playing 30k, uh, and then there's four spots for Titanicus and four spots for um, Aeronautica. Uh, all those tickets are pre, uh, pre-purchasable pre on the Combat Company website. If you just go there, go to events, you'll see the three different format tickets. Um, now, they are a little bit more expensive uh, than we used to do them. Um, they've gone up by about $10, uh, but it's got to do with... Um, the combat company's been amazing and they're going to give us a huge amount of prize support, uh, store credit and stuff like that for people. Um, we're also going to be doing a fair bit more swag than we've ever done in the um, previously. So if you come to the first event, um, you're going to be getting a set of uh, 30k objective markers um, from us uh, that are really awesome. I've got some, uh, some prototype draft prints here because they're all nice 3D printed uh, ones, which are really, really cool. Um, as well as uh, obviously uh, you get to come and play a bunch of games of 30k Aeronautica or Titanicus um, and the more events you come to, you come to the more swag you're going to get the more cool stuff you're going to see uh, so that's really awesome uh, one thing that we've done in the past for some of our events that we're going to do as well is we're going to do the players pack and some of the fluff and whatnot as uh, its own episode um, hopefully in the next week or so so we can get it out before chapter one uh, life permitting um, so look out for that but basically uh, go and have a look in the events page on Oz30k or on the Loaded Dice podcast or on the New South Wales Horace Heresy events page that we also run uh, or on the Combat Company website and you'll find the Siege of Asphodel Bridge on the 22nd of February and there's a players pack up there if you're playing 30k it's 2500 points uh, no Leviathan Force Org, no Primarchs or named characters. If you want to use a named character, shoot us a PM and you'll need to change backstory and name. Um, you need to pick a campaign character that gets advancements, which is pretty cool. Um, and other than that, a big thing that we're pushing on because of the background is we want to see a lot of loyalist traders and trader loyalists, if that kind of makes sense. So we want to see, like, you know, loyalist death guard. Uh, but it would also be cool to see a lot of, like, say, trader white scars, maybe even, you know, some more esoteric things like trader ultramarines, maybe. I don't know. Um, but there's room in our narrative for that all to work. Uh, obviously, talons are welcome, demons are welcome, and all that sort of stuff. Black shields, definitely. Um, so yeah, it should be really awesome. Uh, if you're a Titan Prince up instead, uh, we've got four spots for that. 
um, just at the moment the combat company the way they're set up uh, they don't have a huge number of tables available uh, but that's going to be changing in the future so we can go to much bigger events there as well um, so hopefully we can get some dudes doing uh, that side of things uh, and then aeronautica which doug is running um, there's four spots there as well um, you can play orcs uh, because there are orcs in the campaign um, so we'll talk about that a bit more in the player pack fluff side of things and sort of explain how that all works together but so if you're an orc player definitely come along as well uh, and get some uh, some flying in that'll be awesome as i said those tickets are on pre-sale you can also buy on the day but if we've capped out you won't be able to get a game in uh, on the day because there just won't be enough tables there um, starts at about 9am in the morning and should run through to about five o'clock in the afternoon so just a one dayer um, looking at two rounds for 30k uh, unless we can fit a third round in and people want to do it uh, uh, same for Titanicus most probably because they're going to be bigger games of Titanicus and then for Aeronautica we would expect something like six games in a day if not more for you um, depending on how quickly you smash those out uh, so that's the Siege of Asphodel Bridge um, we'll share it around as well over the next two weeks but we'd love to see a whole lot of people there now, uh, the final thing before I completely finish off this show is just going into our hobby hack segment. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning that I wanted to talk about the Vallejo diorama effects. Um, AK also does a range of these sort of things. Um, and the reason I want to talk about it is because it allowed me to base an entire army of dudes. And I mean, you know, 40 Terminators isn't that many guys, but I mean, it's still a full army. Um, and I based them in about three hours with this stuff um, from like plastic black plastic bases through to stuff that I actually got some really nice comments about <laughs> but yeah so um, the stuff I've got here is the Vallejo Earth Texture Acrylic um, Dark Earth uh, a diorama effect so it's a it's like a big paint pot I think it's got was it 200 mil sort of thing um, I think this cost me 15 bucks or something like that uh, from the combat company uh, and I bought this when they first got them in which is quite a while ago it sat around um, not being used and sorry what you can hear is me trying to open it um, and what it looks like is like wet cement or wet um, wet mortar paste it's very um, super gritty um, and you definitely want some sort of tool to apply this to bases. And I mean, you don't really need to paint, paint the base underneath it because it's a full coverage sort of stuff. But I imagine you could use it in just different spotchy areas. But what I did was I got the Games Workshop Texture Applicator, which looks like a bit of a big toothpick thing with uh, two different types of spade at either end. Um, and just dug into this and started whacking it on the bases. Uh, you move it around with the applicator or the toothpick or whatever you're using. You could even use like a, uh, an old paintbrush maybe might work pretty well. And it creates some pretty natural looking textures and, you know, wavy bits and, and what else. Uh, and then the other thing that I found, which was really, really cool, is if you've got um, grass tufts like Gamers Grass and, uh, and those sort of products, um, you can just while it's still wet and it takes about 30 minutes for this stuff to dry you can put the tuft you can push the tuft in so you don't have to pre-do the tufts actually it makes it harder if you do that um, so you just do the base push the whatever tufts or stuff you want in there and when this stuff dries it does actually dry like um, like mortar or concrete and it will hold it in really really tightly so I mean you don't need to glue it 
um, or fuck around with anything like that that might mix up with it. Um, if you're doing it while it's wet, um, just push it in and away you go. It all it, it'll stick there. I haven't had any come off my bases after two days of very hard gaming and sliding around in cases. So, um, and I, like I mean, once it dries, you can you know you could completely repaint it. So if you just want to use it as a texture stuff and not worry about the color, um, but I mean it works really well as a this dark earth here. It says is. I'll read it. Um, the color of humid grounds that has a thick and dense consistency. Um, so this worked really well on my very white, um, clean death guard that I do. It was a great um, counter to that with some like dead grass tufts in it and things like that. But I mean, if you really wanted to go overboard, you could, you know, dry brush it up, paint it. Uh, you could put other stuff in it apart from grass tufts, obviously. Um, it'd be this stuff specifically would be great on like trench bases and stuff. Uh, so if you're doing like a death core army maybe or a 40k death guard army this could work really nicely um, and I mean there's tons of different types uh, AK does a huge range of them Vallejo's got quite a few of them um, and at 15 bucks I mean I based 40 dudes and I reckon I've used maybe 20% of the pot um, so like compared to Games Workshop's texture stuff where I did eight Terminator bases and used an entire an entire pot of that stuff um, this is amazing so definitely check it out it's the Vallejo Earth Textures uh, Diorama Effects and as I said AK is the other, the other company I know that makes really good stuff that I've played around with as well um, and basically any sort of texture you want for a base you'll get it from, uh, you'll get it from this stuff uh, quite cheaply um, so yeah, that's our hobby hack for today. Um, so closing the show out by myself, bit sad, bit sad. Um, but we're back for 2020, guys. Uh, we had a huge number of issues trying to get this episode recorded. Um, if you can't work it out after listening to it, it we've recorded over about three nights, um, two weeks and three nights, um, which is a bit painful. But that's the way that life goes. Uh, sick kids and and going away and all sorts of other things and work. So. I uh, do apologize for that, but we should be back, as I said, hopefully in the next week with our Siege of Asphodel Bridge Players Pack and Fluff episode, uh, which will be like an in-between episode. And then um, we'll be back in two weeks' time with our next full episode. Um, so stay tuned for that. I imagine we'll be talking, hopefully, about some uh, Battlefleet Gothic, uh, probably some more Aeronautica if uh, Taros has dropped by then. Um, yeah as well as you know how well our events just gone so that'll be a lot of fun uh once again if you're interested in badab go and join the badab or reenactment society uh if you want miniatures painted or anything like that hit up uh doug at brush with destiny um i'm pretty sure he said he's still got some room on his books at the moment starting 2020 uh, and even if he doesn't just bombard him He'll, uh, I'm sure he'll fit you in there, especially if it's about Thousand Suns and uh, doing all their trim. Uh, he loves that sort of really detailed work. So hit him up for that. Uh, check out Brush, uh, Brush With Destiny on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, don't forget you can find us on Instagram and Facebook uh, if you haven't already. And if you don't mind, leave us some reviews on iTunes. Um, it's still one of the best ways for uh, us to sort of grow our audience and, and get out there is if people are leaving us reviews, then we sort of get gazetted in a better place on iTunes when people look for things like Warhammer or Horus Heresy. Um, so it'd be really cool if you could leave some reviews. We might actually run uh, a comp because we haven't done it for quite a while. 
uh, and we'll read out some cool reviews and give some stuff away. Although that does mean you have to give us five-star reviews. Give us what you think uh, is an honest review. That would be the most amazing thing. If you have any questions, comments, tips, anything like that for us, any sort of feedback, please shoot us a PM. Uh, the best way to do that is just go to Facebook and message us or Instagram and DM us. Uh, you can also email us if you need to. That's the loaded dice cast, the loaded dice cast at gmail.com. Um, so feel free to shoot us stuff there as well. Um, but it'd be awesome to see people uh, at our event on the 22nd. And thank you so much for listening to us, guys. So uh, don't forget, keep your powder dry and your dice loaded. <laughs>